0: Welcome everyone to the new episode of the Truth and Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. Since last week, the Padres, like I've said, have lost the wildcard spot due to their losing ways to the Reds. Both the Yankees and the Braves have looked like different teams since the trade deadline. Both teams have one of the best records in August and have a chance to win the division after being second and third place in the beginning of the season. My Mets need a miracle, ladies and gentlemen. Over fifty different players have played for the New York Mets this season. Over fifty. I think it's sixty-two, but it's safe to say over fifty. The Mets before the season appeared to have a good a good offense going into the season. However, when you look at their offensive numbers, they're near last or last place in most categories. And time and time again, it seems, ladies and gentlemen, that the offense cannot score when they have players on scoring position. It's like they're allergic to it or or have a phobia of it when you see it. It's just like, how do we have these opportunities and we don't score? It, it seems like within the last two weeks, maybe even three, there's been at least four or more times when the Mets had the bases loaded and didn't uh. Edu- um, educate, execute the right way. Last night, Pete Alonso had at least two chances to get, a, get at least two runs or more with his two opportunities with the bases loaded and he got nothing. It just seems like what is Luis Rojas doing to prepare this offense for the game? I, I don't understand. You know, recently they talked about last week after I did the podcast that the Mets were trying to Trying to do a trade with the Cubs where they didn't just want to make a blockbuster. They were gonna make a blockbuster that was gonna basically make the whole infield look different, except for Pete Alonso. It seems like they wanted Javi, Baez, Bryant, Chris Bryant, and Trevor Williams. Which would have been great because Bryant would be an upgrade in terms of defense in third base. Baez can always play second base since that was something that he played. When he first came into the majors, he played more second base versus shortstop. And Trevor Williams would be a, a great spot starter since we didn't ha- we don't have the Grum and players and, and and pitchers seem to always get hurt, but it did not happen. Brian went to the Giants. The Mets got Javi Baez and and Trevor Williams. And the lack of scoring is continuing. I I don't know what what to say. I don't. I'm I'm baffled. It seemed that majority of the season, up to 87 games of the season, Francis Lindor was able, when he was in the lineup, to keep this team afloat at 47-40. And in the beginning of the season, I was actually saying, wow, I'd like Luis Rojas because the team was actually in first place and not performing horribly, even though the offensive numbers did not look great. But it seemed like Francis Lindor's injury to his oblique, strain oblique, was the the last straw in terms of what was going to keep them afloat. Because it seemed like once he had missed over 30 games, the season just took a turn for the worst. You know, it just didn't look the same. Even though we had lost immense, uh, immense amount of players due to injury, it just seemed like Lindor's injury just did something else. I think there were like, at least seven to eight games under 500. Why he wasn't playing? This up this Monday, he came back and he, and him no this Tuesday. I'm sorry, him and Francis Lindor and Bias came back to just to do a great duo in second and shortstop. But the offense is still struggling. Currently, right now, they're losing two nothing to the San Francisco Giants. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I never advocate or think a guy or a person should be fired, but man, they, what is Luis Rojas doing? Guy's not looking like the same. You know, before Luis Rojas, Jeff McNeil looked like a, a a future batting champion. You know, last year, what happened to Dominic Smith? The difference in batting average between this year and last year is is dramatic. Peter Alonso is the only guy who looks like himself in terms of his power numbers, but everybody else is is below average. Brandon Nomó has a decent average, but at the same time, since he's come back from his injury, he doesn't look the same in the sense that he's not. It seemed prior to his injury, he was always able, at least once or twice in the game, to get a, uh, a count from 0 and 2 to 3 and 2. A lot of 3 and 2s, or just. To, he, it seemed like he was always getting walked in some kind of capacity. And it seemed like since he's come back, there hasn't been the same story. Something has to change that, like I said, the Mets need a miracle. The next 13 or 14 games that we'll be facing, the Marlins in Washington, ladies and gentlemen, they need to go 13-1 and, and and basically living on a, on a prayer if they want to take an opportunity and chance to make the playoffs. Right now, the Reds have the easiest schedule in terms of teams who are in the wild card spot. And I actually feel that because of that, Reds will claim one of the spots. And because the Dodgers are so lethal and so great, I don't see them losing the wild card spot. But we'll see what happens. We still got some seasons, I mean, we at least have 30 games left, but it's it's a hard 30 games for all teams. But my Mets need a miracle and need a win streak now, as of now. Lastly, I've been saying that we were starting every week before the, season, the NFL season starts, talking about a different division every week in terms of who I think is going to win a division, what I think about the team where the win-or-loss win, win or loss total could be, and if they improved, if they're neutral, did they get worse, if that's even a possibility. So this week, we're going to talk about the AFC South. Last season, the Titans claimed first, first place due to having a better division record over the Indianapolis Colts, who had the same record as them. The Jaguars looked like they purposely tanked in order to get their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Texans hold on to to Sean Watson and don't even know what what to believe in terms of what they're gonna get out of Watson based on the case of all these different women um allegations and assault and everything that they're saying that, that that Watson did, they don't you know, right now it's not clear what's gonna happen with Watson. And what's making this situation worse, within the last two weeks the FBI has gotten involved in terms of investigating what did Watson do to to these women? How bad is it really? How bad is it, ladies and gentlemen? If the FBI is investigating you, it's bad. It's gone beyond just the local police. It's just like there's something there, and maybe this this is something that's gonna go get even deeper. That may even help Watson get out of jail because he may not need to rat someone out because something's crazy's going on, and because of that. The Texans could have Watson back or potentially not have Watson for the whole season. And the Indianapolis Colts hope that Carson Wentz is healthy and ready to lead the team. He got hurt early in minicamp. They're hoping that with, uh, back with his offensive coordinator that he had a couple of years ago, that he has the ability to find who he was prior to signing the big contract that he did with the Eagles. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Who's going to be in last place and who's going to be in first? Well, in terms of last place, I am picking the Texans to to be in last place due to the investigation of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, ladies and gentlemen, is a top 10 elite quarterback that with him there, it's a different story. With him gone, it's a much worse team. So I'm picking the Texans to be in last place due to the Watson investigation. He hasn't barely even been involved in any training camp um, practices or preseason games. Anyway, I don't know what to say. I looked at the offense and with the getting guys like Lansley and Ingram, you know, for me, that's where the talent lies in terms of the offense. Besides Brandon Cooks, they don't really have a good receiving course. So for me, I would think have a heavy emphasis on running should be what they're trying to do. Or maybe just make it a run first offense. We'll see what they could do. The offense looks slightly better, but overall it's weird because Watson, with Watson, this team could win. The Texans could win six or seven games. Without him, it's a mystery. Because as of right now, it's even weird that the the coach, head coach of the Texans, Coolin, I think is his name, or Cooley, was never a offensive coordinator ever in his whole career. He's not a well-known offensive coordinator. He's not a well-known defensive coordinator. He's not a well-known defensive line or linebacker coach. He's not well-known in those fields. So it's kind of hard to judge what he's going to do with this team. What kind of team identity will this team have? As of right now, we don't know. And because of that, and because of too many what-ifs, I picked the Texans to be in last place. So the team that was in last place last year will most likely move up a spot, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the Jaguars a couple years ago was a Super Bowl contending team, ladies and gentlemen. They had a great defense, but the Jags quickly destroyed it rather than continue building. Last year, they purposely tanked, and the end product of tanking was getting Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and getting giving Urban Meyer a chance, his first chance in the NFL as a head coach. Again, now the question is, is Trevor Lawrence the solution in terms of helping the Jags lose their losing ways? For me, Urban Meyer could be fired quickly as he's never coached in the NFL and he has a rookie quarterback. Coaching a struggling team in college is much different than the pros. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's a different... I think Urban Meyer would have been better in a team in where he had a veteran quarterback that he didn't need to mentor and didn't need to talk to weekly, week by week because of... His, not immaturity, but his lack of experience. You know, Trevor Lawrence needs to be coached until he actually becomes an elite quarterback. He needs to be talked to. He needs to be mentored. He needs to someone to be by his side when he's not performing up to his talents. And the question is, can Urban Meyer do that? Urban Meyer has never had to do that in college. All he had to do was recruit guys, and most guys, just because of his name, wanted to go to the team. And basically, he had guys for one or two years. Now he has to learn how to have guys more than one year, and now he has to learn to how to talk to veterans who've been in the league for more than one year, more than five years, where you can't talk to them like a college guy. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Urban Meyer could do. So far, so far, Trevor Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen, if you look at the statistics and all these ratings that the Pro Football Focus puts out there. Trevor Lawrence has been upstaged by the quarterbacks who have been selected after him in the preseason so far. His teammate, his um, running back teammate from Clemson, got hurt this uh, year. And as of right now, I don't know if I trust. As of right now, I trust Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence to be better than the Texans, not by a lot. You know, they're not going to win a lot of games. I think the Jacks could win four, could win six. And, you know, when you look at 1-15 and 15 last year in the 2020 season, winning four games is not a great because it would mean there would be 4-13 and 13 this upcoming season. But in the end, it would be a three-game uh, improvement. The next team I want to talk about who will claim second place yet again is the Indianapolis Colts. Rivers is out. He retired. He's coaching a head coaching team that was rumored a couple of weeks ago with Carson Wentz's injury that Rivers will come out of head coaching only when the season is done in the high school, uh, uh, after the high school season, football season is over. But, ladies and gentlemen, Wentz signed a huge contract with the Eagles, and he seems to be trying to look like that same guy. He hasn't, they didn't look like that last year. He's hoping with Frank Rourke, probably I'm seeing this or Rake, whatever his name, whatever the Indianapolis Colt's name is, Frank is probably his last name. He was the offensive coordinator with the Eagles when Carson Wentz looked great. So now he's hoping being back with his old offensive coordinator that he could look like the quarterback like he did then, rather than the quarterback like he that he was last season. You know, he in, also, Wentz definitely has a chance. The the wide receivers look better in, in Indianapolis. They have a much better offensive line, and the running game looks great with Mac and uh, Tyler. So, long story short, he could um, he could have better numbers, but we won't know until we see him in a regular season game. And defensively, the Colts are better than the Titans, but because of the additions to the Titans' offense and defense. I see the Colts claiming and staying at second place. They have a chance and opportunity to possibly win 11 games this season with a high ceiling of winning 13 games. But they're not going to win a division, ladies and gentlemen. On to my first place team, ladies and gentlemen, in the AFC South. And, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you were paying attention, you already know who I think is going to win a division. And that team is the Tennessee Titans. The Titans improved their offense and their defense, I think, enough to stay in first place. They upgraded their receiving core by adding future Hall of Famer Julio Jones. They got Josh Reynolds from St. Louis Rams. They got Jeff Swarm, tight end, from uh, the Dallas. So the receiving core looks great. And the question of the day is, did the defense improve? Defensively, the Titans look better. Listen, last year, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I'm talking about defensive is, yes, the Titans went 11-5. Yes, they won the division, but they gave up over 400 points in the season. That's horrible for a team who wants to be a Super Bowl contender. So defensively, did they improve? Well, they got Jack Rabbit, who's uh, Jenkins, uh, Bud Dupree, uh, outside linebacker that was with the Steelers the last couple years to help with the pass rush. They drafted guys like Elijah Molden and Club Foley and others to make this t- team into having a much better um defense so that it could definitely be a Super Bowl team and definitely be in the category with teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and, uh, and the Ravens as Super Bowl contenders coming out of the AFC Conference. So again, ladies and gentlemen, who's winning the division? The Titans. Who's in second place? The Colts, who's in third place? The Jaguars. Who's in fourth place? The Texans. In that order, I I could be wrong. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, maybe Urban Meyer does something like Harborough did with the 49ers and just comes out of nowhere and makes this team have a great defense with a great run game. To continue with the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, earlier this week in first take, the question that was debated between Max Kellerman and Harry Douglas, former wide receiver of the Atlanta Falcons, was Did Nagy, the coach of the Chicago Bears, make the right decision in saying that Andy Dalton should start over Justin Fields? And the answer is Yes, he made the right choice. And why? Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, how many of you out there like a promise fulfilled? How many of you like there at least want it a, a promise to be fulfilled and then if things don't work out you're okay with it because they gave you the chance rather than just quit on what they promised or what have you? Well, Andy Dalton was promised a starting quarter job, uh starting job with the Chicago Bears. I think he should have at least four games and where they see what he could do on, in only four games. If this team is not two and two and better and doesn't have The offense that they thought they would have is time for Justin Fields. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I understand Justin Fields is having a great preseason. You add him with Montgomery and just Fields alone adds 20 to 30 yards rushing. Take him away. Andy Dalton can't do the same thing. He needs to stay in the pocket. He maybe could scramble a tiny bit, but not at the same level as Fields. You know, Andy Dalton would be relying heavily on the offensive line to hold up. While Fields can, can improvise and move around, and doesn't need the offensive line to be elite or great all the time because of his legs, he gets stretch plays rather than taking the sack or throwing an interception. Maybe I'm wrong, but isn't that isn't that what we you need as a coach to say that you made a promise and you fulfilled it? I think that's important because listen, ladies and gentlemen, in the future. When guys want to come and, and and think about going to Chicago Bears, they're going to look at the co- coach and say, what kind of coach is this guy? Can this coach, is, does this coach fulfill his promises? What kind of coach is he? What kind of team is this? So, yes, Andy Dalton should get a chance, but a short leash. He shouldn't get 10 games, four games. And if the offense do, this doesn't look great, it's time for Justin Fields, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about a different thing, a different story. You know, about eight years ago, one of the best storytelling wrestlers stepped away from wrestling, and for eight years he has done numerous memory, numerous not memories, numerous stories and interviews and different things, asking the same question and the same question. He has done comics. He has done uh, the UFC. He has done acting. He's gotten married. He has an interesting dog. Who am I talking about? CM Punk. CM Punk stepped away eight years ago. And everybody was always wondering if he would come back. And he always seemed like he was leaving the door open. There was always rumors within the last eight years that he was coming back. But within the last month, the rumor that that kept on repeating itself, that seemed to be happening was that he was going to go to AEW. And as a WWE fan who grew up with WWE, I, I, I thought to the last second, no, nah, he's going to go to WWE. He's going to go look at Roman Reigns and, CM, and uh, John Cena, and he's going to interrupt it in some kind of capacity. WWE is going to automatically give him a championship opportunity. CM Punk's going to make this whole spiel or whatever that he doesn't want C um uh, another wrestler to take his um to pass him in terms of the record books in terms of wrestlers holding the heavyweight champion he wants to make Cena his old uh you know a former a former wrestler he used to wrestle with stop his chances from winning the 17th champion etc and so forth. But ladies and gentlemen AEW Had a show on Fridays at 10 o'clock called Rampage. And before this guy even came out, the fans were loud. They were in Chicago, but the electricity that was in that arena that day on Friday was just magnificent. It was loud. I mean, you know, if anybody's ever been in an arena during a wrestling event, it's infectious. It doesn't matter who it's for, it's infectious. You like it, you love it, you hate it, whatever. But it was loud. And he was able to go with his music because the music he had isn't a WWE song. is actually a song from the cult or whatever the song is. I don't even know the name of it right now. But long story short, he was able to carry with him. And ladies and gentlemen, it was great to see him back. He promised all fans an ice cream. Um, You saw that he was emotional. He jumped into the fans. He hugged his family. Um... Long story short, he looks like he wants to help young talent. It's, he said, he said in, in his promo, why would I go back to the place that made me sick in the first place? And he didn't even consider the time that he did with WWE wrestling. He referred to his last time wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, his t- with his time with the Ring of Honor. That's how much he hates WWE. He just showed you right there that he didn't consider the, all, everything that he did in WWE wrestling. And he just basically disrespected, but that's okay. Hopefully, he's a full-time wrestler. Hopefully, he doesn't have this Brock Lesnar type of schedule where we'll see him, but he doesn't really wrestle. You know, right now, I read today that Brock Lesnar is coming back for one year and a half. And in that total time, he's going to wrestle eight times. In 16 months, Brock Lesnar is going to wrestle eight times. And probably get paid over $10 million in that process. Isn't that crazy? But, ladies and gentlemen, CM Punk is back. Daniel Bryan may be following him in the near future. It is crazy how how these guys are, are changing. You know, listen, ladies and gentlemen, one thing that AEW is doing over WCW, besides taking talent and besides taking guys who who used to work with WWE, they're also trying to get the guys from the indies a chance and opportunity to develop and become um, wrestlers. You know, Recently, WWE looks like it's going to hurt the NXT that looked so great for more than five years. Of, it just looked so great, it was like an alternative. It gave you a chance and opportunity to see upcoming talent develop before they went into the main roster. And now it seems like Vince wants to tear it down and do something completely different. You know, right now, W. I was even looking at it a couple of days ago, they talked about how Hardy Boys had a match in the King of, a Ring, King, King of the Ring probably 15 years ago or more. And creatively, if you looked at the scenery and, the, and, and, and them entering, creatively, WWE made their set very beautiful, and it looked like they made they took time to make it look different from other events. And where now, and where it seems like within the last five to six years, it has seemed like they're putting out the same scenery all the time, unless it's outside, like it was this previous week for SummerSlam that was in Las Vegas, where they kind of had a different kind of scenery and entrance than they normally have. But long story short, creatively, they're just not. It not seem like they're trying. You know, any kind of match that they did. Ten to fifteen years ago, they just don't do anymore. You know, um, like I've said in the past, it looks like the the main person that needs to go is Vince McMahon. Maybe it's time for him to go, but I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, I think I think he's he's hurting it because taking away what made you popular, what made you king of wrestling, and taking it all away is, is basically killing your business. Even though. You're making an immense amount of money. The idea that CM Punk could be offered all the money in the world from WWE, and he never took it. He never took it. He decided to go, go to a new brand that you don't know what's gonna, how it's going to look in the next five or ten years. You don't know, but he's willing to take the chance and, and be with them and help them grow in some kind of capacity. And you've got to give him props for that. He said that him and Tony Khan were talking for at least two or three years prior to to coming back. Crazy. So he could have been back in 2018, but in 2018, there was no AEW. But the idea that it was a three-year process, maybe even more, before he came back to wrestling. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, he needed to come back to wrestling. All his movies that he was associated with did nothing. He tried... Fighting, fighting with the UFC and all that fighting, and he lost, and he looked horrible. So long story short, it's great to see him where he is. He's a great storyteller, and for for WWE, he builds up matches. He's entertaining, and ladies and gentlemen, he throws pipe bombs, to use a term that he says. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, you could watch tomorrow, ten o'clock TNT Rampage. CM Punk would be there. My name is Anthony Roman. I'm reporting in the middle of nowhere. This is the Truth in Reality podcast. Subscribe to me on Apple and Spotify so that you are aware and know when a new episode would would, um, be available. Follow me on Instagram and on the Truth in Reality. Um, Tell your friends. Tell your family. This is a different kind of podcast. This is not like every other podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a guy who's starting from scratch. You don't know me prior to any of this. Like other uh, guys who do podcasts who you know because of the comedians, the actors, the athletes. I'm starting from scratch. So support your fellow man. Listen to the Truth and Reality podcast. Subscribe. Follow me on on Instagram. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Anyway, have a great day and even better night. Bye-bye, ladies and gentlemen.